thought that you could sense that with your Peter Tingle. Please stop saying tingle. Peter Tingle. Peter Tingle. Peter Tingle. Peter Tingle. I know she's giving me the Peter Tingle. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, hey, welcome back to Blood and Black Rum podcast. Uh, I'm Ryan from CloseBloodTation.com, and I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? Pretty good. Actually, you know what? Too, I was thinking about this the other day because I've been watching a lot of on cinema at the cinema, and I like how I keep calling you co-host. Like, you know, you're, you're co-host, right? And in on cinema at the cinema, there's always this running gag that like Greg is just the guest like he's a special <laughs> guest on every single episode um that's that reminds me like one time i should just be like you know let you take it and be like hey i'm your host martin with you know coast co-host ryan be great or just like correspondent here with our yeah correspondent for the day that's right you know don't want to steal we don't want to steal all of tim heidecker's jokes you know you know what uh no they actually stole ours no i'm just kidding they've been around for a lot longer um, but, uh, what I was thinking too, remember we used to do like you hosting the show, like literally like being the, the one that guides the show, like how I normally am. We did that for a couple episodes and you actually got to like pose the questions and be the one that, you know, like how I always jump in and I'm like, all right, and moving on, like you got to do that part of it. Would mm-hmm. you want to do that again? I, I don't know. Okay. Well, we won't start <laughs> feel, with today's episode. I, I, I feel like it's only been on like when it's the episodes that I've really pushed for. That's like, true. That's like, true. You like know. we're doing fucking dread. Why? Because I. That's what we're yeah. doing. Yeah, that's true. Like the ones that you are more well versed in. Do you really want lead. me taking the lead on like? Okay, next time we're doing some obscure Jello. So um, you've never seen it or know about it, yeah. but you can lead it. Yeah. No, probably not. It probably makes it makes more sense. Yeah, it does. Um, so today, I've gotten, we, I gotten cozy being number two. Yeah. I've accepted my role. That's okay. So you I don't what? run the social media. That's true, too. Yeah. They let me do all the work. So today, we are back with an episode where we had, we had planned to do this all along. I mean, it's just, like, been a long time coming. And we're, if you've noticed, we're actually doing two episodes back to back. Normally, we don't do that every single week. We kind of strayed away from that after a couple of years of doing that and became extremely hard to, to do every single week. Um, but we had planned on doing another episode for our, a Marvel movie because we always cover the superhero movies now. And we just didn't have time to get to it with all of the Child's Play muckety-muck. If you listened to the last episode, you know that we weren't able to see Child's Play in theaters. And so there's a whole lot of scrambling to get stuff done. So we're back today. New episode, even though it's only been a week. And we're talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. Spooderman. Spooderman. Um, you know, we've done... Uh, Pretty much every single Marvel movie now from like phase two through three. And uh, so we just thought, you know, we can't miss it now. As we're starting on the new phase in the in the Marvel movie franchise, we can't we can't miss out on one. Is this so. technically part of phase four? Uh, I don't really think it is as, as far as they announced at Comic-Con. I don't think like Spider-Man far. It's like in between. It's like 3.5. I think they need to stop referring it to like phase, to like phases just, just yeah. and just like let it go. Yeah. as Yeah. Call them arcs yeah. or something. I don't know. But, yeah, phases makes it even more convoluted, I think. Well, it just sounds stupid. Like, okay, we're into the new phase, guys, you know. 
set your phasers to stun. That sort of thing. Yeah. But we're going to be... Well, speaking of Phase 4, what do you think of all the announcements of uh, what Disney's got in the works? Well, they got a lot of stuff in the works. I think that what we saw with Comic-Con, with especially with Phase 4, is that most of the stuff that Disney has in the works is um, TV shows. So you've got a lot of TV shows coming out that is going to really complicate the entire Marvel Universe. Because at a certain point, you're like... Now I'm stretched real thin. I got to go see the movies and theaters. I got to watch the TV shows. How am I going to know when in Avengers 4 they... Or, or, <laughs> actually, I guess it's technically Avengers. I don't know what we consider. Is it th- Avengers 3 parts 1 and 2 do we consider it? Or is it Avengers 4 that we're on now? <sighs> I have no idea. But anyway, the next Avengers film... What if they're like... You know what? Remember what happened in WandaVision episode 4? Yeah. This is this entire well, thing think, happens well, do you during think, that. Do you think they'll just go with the DC route with the WB shows and be like, "No, nah, that shit ain't camp." You well, I, I actually think that they're going to really tie in or at least have the same actors from. I mean, I don't think with the TV shows, um, it's going to be like, "Oh, got to pay attention." To this. I nah. think it's just pay attention to the arc. So something that happens in like yeah. an arc of a show, yeah, might lead to something. But at this point, no, it's getting to you know. And plus, how many people have like fucking Disney Plus? It's kind of well, like yeah. It's, I mean, it's going to be a thing where you just you're well, going to have to decide to, if you well, want. they're trying to drive subscriptions. It's kind of like with CBS with their CBS All Access putting Star Trek on there. Like, yeah. hey, we know a shit ton of people love Star Trek, but if you want to see the new stuff like Picard and Discovery, you're going to have to pay for that. You know, yeah, pay for that online subscription. I mean, I think we're getting to a point where remember when they said they didn't want the films to be as convoluted as trying to get into comics where you're at a certain point, you're like, how do I get into this? Like, it's been so long running. Now you're at sort of at that point again with TV and movies. Well, I mean, I think for the shows, they picked the ones that like Wanda and Vision. WandaVision, yeah. You're who, like, like, uh, like, who the fuck cares? Yeah, right. Like, you don't want to set an entire film with them. No idea. Or a TV show. Yeah. That just sounds perplexingly. I don't know. I mean, st- stupid. I think the ideas are there. I just think that we're starting to get really convoluted, and I don't know that people are going to follow this through. Honestly, in the, the only, same way. Honestly, the only one that I'm like, kind of like, yeah, is the new Doctor Strange and, uh, Thor. I'm not, not not Thor Blade. I'm actually excited for the What If series that's coming out, the animated series. That's like you know, what if this happened in the Mar- like just not in continuity, but what if this happened? What if that oh, happened? So just do Marvel Zombies as the next phase, right? Basically, at the at the end of this, when the Avengers have like their fight, they just yeah. Well, Zombie outbreak. That's kind of like, phase five. It's just Marvel Zombies. That's kind of like what they're doing with What If. It's just like you know, what if. Uh, you know, Spider-Man was someone else or what if, um, you know, someone died in continuity. So that I'm excited for that one. I, I, I'm interested to see what they do because I'm always one of those people that is like, <coughs> um, it's kind of obnoxious to me how fans read this comic series. And then if there's a major change to it, they get very upset about it. Like, well, what a adaptation has ever been like pound for pound. You know the same exact thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I just like, I get, I get annoyed, especially reading stuff like, um, reading the new Nightwing comic series, and they're trying to change Nightwing around a little bit, where they had him have amnesia after getting shot in the head, and he became Rick instead wow. of Dick. What a and like, what a 
The tried and true comic plot. Yeah. To like try to fix try to try to fix shit. No, but I I, I, oh, I totally damn. get it that people are like, well, you know what? I read Nightwing because I like Dick Grayson. But at the same time, you're like, do you want to read like Dick being able to beat up enemies for every every literally every single goddamn uh comic book that you read? No, you gotta have something a little different. So that's why I like stuff like What If, where it just is sort of looking at things that can't occur in the canon. They're just changing things around. So I like that. Do it like a Twilight Zone. Like, have like a Rod Sterling type just come out and be like, what, what if, if Thor happened to get, be the one to die? I'm, I'm hoping it's sort of like that, yeah. I mean, and it comes spans from the comics. They actually did something with that with the comics, but I'm excited to see what they do with that one specifically. The rest, you know, I could do without, and you were right, with Blade, uh, with Blade, you know, that sounds cool and everything, and uh, I like Blade as a character, but they should have just gotten Wesley Snipes back, because he hasn't really aged at all. Well, and if anything, too, with the, when, when they had the Netflix series with, like, Luke Cage and Daredevil. Yeah. Blade, though, I think it's cool that he's having a movie again. With the world that they built up, he's got to be, like, in a TV series. True. You know, yeah, and then be... maybe show up in, like, the Avengers film to, like, help. Like, yeah, oh, I, be... You know, because, can you... It'd be more interesting to see him, like, do, like, vampire hunting and shit, like, in a TV series. Yeah. It'd make more sense. Yeah. yeah. I don't you know. know. Kind of like the same thing with, like, Luke Cage and Daredevil. It's like, the, their stories lend to be more of a TV series than, like, a, a movie arc. But there were some cool announcements at Comic-Con. I'm excited to see what's coming. And, uh, you know, we're starting Phase 4 soon, so, in 2020, so... Um, it'd be interesting to see what that brings and, and how it changes up the universe. But right now, uh, we're talking Spider-Man Far From Home, which is effectively more of the same for Spider-Man. Um, as you know, we liked Spider-Man Homecoming and, uh, actually it was probably one of our favorite films of the Marvel series from the last year. Um, and Spider-Man Far From Home seems to be an extenuation of, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. I'll tell you one thing that really stands out about Spider-Man Far From Home, and you can tell that Peter Parker genuinely is far from home. It's that nice Euro cinema uh, pinkish hue that the film has as they're going to Italy. Um, Really nice uh, display of, you know, the pinkish, like, 70s-esque Italian film um, filter that they use on this Really? Two things. A uh, really missed opportunity to have the B-52s roam. Yeah, that, that would have been though, good for even, that like, initial... Even though, they were go- even though they're going to Venice, still. You know what I did like about that? Oh, well, first I'll let you finish your point, your second point. Because you got you got your one in and I kind of butted in there and <laughs> you didn't get your second point in. So what, what was your second point about that? Um, also, another great missed opportunity for, you know, some nice Italian disco. Well, you know what, though? We do get some of that. That's... Well, I, I was expecting, like, you know, what I wanted is, like, the, as they're flying in here, Gloria, Gloria. Well, what I did like about that, and that's what I was I was going to say about your first point, is that I do like how, as they go to different places, they didn't go with just, like, the very stylist, stylistic Marvel pop songs or rock mm-hmm. songs, you know, for the most part. There's one instance of it. But they didn't really go with that whole, like... 
you know, what you would expect for the soundtrack of just being like, here's a eighties pop song. Here's a seventies rock song. They, uh, they well, really no, they did try to, no, but they did that in Endgame when they had like the kink supersonic show. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's kind of like, that's a weird choice. I like it. I'm one of two people probably in the audience that like knows that song, but well, I like here. They even went a little bit further by actually picking songs that go along with the locales that they're in. So I did like that about about the film, especially as we're going to Venice and they've got a classic Italian, you know, pop song should, playing at the should, time. Should have had some Goblin, yeah, you know, a little Suspiria in there. Yeah. No, I was thinking more of one of their better soundtracks, like you know, Tenebrae, Tenebrae soundtrack, yeah. yeah. I, I did like that, though. I, I like that touch of making this feel like a film that's not just like another Spider-Man movie. It's it's something else. It's, it's They're literally going someplace else. Wouldn't it have been funny if they did do like, gob- um, like, like oh, I'm going to do the Suspiria uh, music and instead of hearing Goblin, you get to hear Tom Dorcas going. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, subtitles just say <laughs> random vocalizations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would have been nice. Just uh, yeah, actually, we got Tom York to do this one too. He's Anytime a, you're in Europe, you know, he's doing a lot. He, he just did uh, another um, film score. Oh yeah, yeah. Can't remember if it's like for Midsummer or something. He did something. I don't think recently. it was for Midsummer, but yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. Well, I'm glad they didn't go that route, but I did like the the, uh, the actual choices they did, especially as we're like the beginning of the film. You're kind of. First, we're set in New York City, and we should mention, too, that we missed, like, the first five minutes of this movie. Oh, that was, you know... Uh, there's a little clusterfuck at the local movie theater, and okay. uh, a long-ass line because of the Lion King. So we missed the first, like, couple minutes of the movie. We you, missed all the trailers, we missed the well, you know what? Marvel I, opening. I I, real, I don't know how people are receiving the Lion King. I see, see the reviews are very mixed to negative. Mm. Um so all those people who decided to basically go see a shot-for-shot remake where John Favreau's just sitting in the background counting his money, yeah, um, just cue up Gilbert Gottfried yelling, "You fool!" Yeah, that's you know. But but so we missed the first like couple minutes. Uh, we didn't see the Marvel opening or anything like that. But uh, once we you know once you get into it and Peter Parker's in New York, you know he's going on his uh, school trip, um, and they set off. For the actual European part of this trip, European vacation style, um, I liked I liked the whole setup there and getting away from New York City, getting away from the normal Spider-Man locations uh, was a nice touch for this movie, um, and it's one of the the biggest things that sets it apart from Spider-Man: Homecoming because ultimately you could have had another movie that was just exactly the same as Spider-Man: Homecoming, you know, just riffing on it uh, and changing the plot a little bit. But I think Spider-Man Far From Home, with its plot line and its, its uh, you know, moving away from New York's uh, location, I think that that gives it a little bit more of ro- more room to play and allows it to be a little bit more experimental than you're used to for something like Sp- a Spider-Man movie. I'm thinking of, like, the Raimi movies, the Spider-Man 1 through 3, which were pretty much always based in the same setting. And they didn't really change a whole lot between... Same block of Manhattan. Yeah, basically, like, it was all the same. So, you know, this one gets away from that a little but, bit with a more experimental At the approach. same token, they chose all the spots that's been done a billion times. Mm-hmm. Where are we going? Oh, we're going to Venice. Yeah. Because that hasn't been done a billion times. We're going to London. Because that hasn't been done, you know, a billion times. So like Prague was pretty cool. Prague instead, is different, yeah. Instead of nice. going to, you know... Paris. Paris. But at the same time, when they're, like, running around, like, 
when the carnival stuff's going on. It just all I could think of is like the ending of Steve, uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou and like after the film festival. Uh-huh. I think that was like more like in Portugal, but it still kind of looks really similar. Mm-hmm. So I was ex- expecting at some point Bill Murray to come like just sadly walking out, like lighting up his joint and his blunt and just being like, <sighs> "Yeah, here we go again." I mean, I think that what I liked about Far From Home like immediately was that it felt more like it felt more risky than your usual Marvel film, and it. Felt like, especially for a Spider-Man film, because you know some, something like Doctor Strange is in in itself risky. Uh, that's like picking Doctor Strange as a character to base an entire movie on is risky in itself. But for Spider-Man, there aren't very many risks that you can take with Spider-Man if you're setting it in the same location and you're having him you know do the exact same things that he would normally do in any Spider-Man story. Sure, you can. It's risky by having Mysterio. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, it's risky to have Mysterio. So I think, like, far, again, but that ties into everything about Far From Home. Because they, they, they go they, a little further. I was going to say, because they expect. totally changed his backstory. It's not like what it is in the comics. So, I don't know Mysterio it, very well from the comics. Yeah, so. he's like, in a, uh, like a failed magician or something, or like mm-hmm. a makeup artist or some shit like that. So, like, basically, like, sort of like what his character is in this, but... Little teched up in this one. Mm-hmm. Instead of being just like a failed uh, illusionist or something like that, he's he's even more so like with the tech. Rich I know, but the way like he was kind of flying around, I was like, oh, that basically could have been the Green Goblin, but you know, yeah, yeah, um, don't want to do that yet. But you're right though with Mysterio too. That's just an, an, yet another risk that they take with Spider-Man: Far From Home. That feels like. You know, they were really trying something different in this one. And you can say that, you know, we say all the time, we sort of have uh, superhero fatigue at, uh, at certain points. But when you get something like this, which is sort of refreshing and different from what you would be expecting from a film of this nature, um, I think that it, it really works and, and shows why Marvel is leading the pack in terms of making superhero movies, even though we're, we're like, what what is it, like 27 movies in or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. Uh, they're still leading the pack and taking risks and, um, you know, you just wouldn't see this from a DC film. And we actually so have, I say, you know, speaking, speaking of, we, we talked about the DC films when we were watching this movie, because, um, one of the things that I felt was sort of that I actually, I'll, I'll pre- I won't get into that yet. Cause I have to preface it a little bit, right? I have to tell the, I have to give the whole backstory before I jump right into bashing DC again. Cause yeah. everybody's going to listen to this and they're gonna be like, yeah, they buck, they fucking bash DC every time they do a Marvel film. Well. But try doing it without uh, your little I, little hiccup there. Yeah, yeah sorry. Excuse me. Um, so I was thinking when I was watching this movie, and you go through like the first part of the film uh, with Mysterio, and they set up the whole storyline of there's these four elementals in the in in this area. They've been coming to uh, destroy Earth, and they originally the fire elemental had destroyed mysterio's earth and earth 833 or whatever yeah the mysterio is from. from a different time uh, yeah a different u- universe universe yeah. that's pretty much has peter parker's uh peter tingle going off immensely <laughs> as he's figuring out that there's alternate universes um but so they they're bringing up these four elementals and you know the whole setup is really really uh mundane and and like it's just kind of thrown out there um because you, part of it is because Peter's also brought into this as sort of uh, a third wheel. And like, we need your help, Peter. Uh, Mysterio can't do this alone, so we need your help. And, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. brings him in uh, as this other person that can help out with Mysterio. So everything's kind of thrown at Peter, and likewise, it's thrown at the audience as well. 
And they half ass explain too about like, well, why? Like when Peter's like, because he doesn't want to help, he's on vacation. Mm-hmm. Just like every other good person who's like getting a call from work while they're on vacation. It's like, no, fuck you. Yeah. I'm on vacation. Not answering. Yeah. That. Yeah. So, but he's like, what about Thor? And like, off world. And then, you know. Yeah, they answer, so, they so, said, he says Captain Marvel, and don't she's even like, mention her. Yeah. No, but he says somebody else. Like, I don't know if it was Hulk or something. Yeah, but, it was, it was, I think it was Hulk or something like that. Yeah. I And I can't remember what he was doing, but, uh, you know, they do. You have, think, though, if it was this crisis where these elementals are going to destroy Earth. Fury would be getting on the horn. They'd be at- calling in some other people. Yeah. yeah. Not just, okay, this new guy I've never met before, but he's from a parallel universe. Yeah, we're going to uh, get him to... Him and we'll have Spooderman, you know, the 14-year-old kid who's, you know... The only thing that I can think of with, like, Mysterio is that they're having Mysterio because he know He, he proclaims that he knows the Elementals because they destroyed his world. And so, first of all, you have to think, like, do I want this guy whose world was destroyed by this fire <laughs> elemental to be, like, the last protection against him here? Probably not. Like, I don't want, like, Mysterio sounds like a failed superhero on his Earth, so he came here to this Earth to help out. And if he, anything, he looks like Aquaman with that, like, you know, his suit in this one, with the way they, like, neoned it up yeah, super. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't trust Mysterio to be the saving grace of humanity um, and not only that, but also bringing Peter's entire school t- trip to Prague to potentially be blown to smithereens by a fire elemental that just happens to be there as well, putting them all in danger. Um, but I did, you know, so with that, they, they really go through the motions of like giving you a very... Oh no, it was Dr. Strange and he's oh, like, and they, and they said yeah. unavailable and what they meant by when they said Doctor Strange unavailable is if it doesn't have to do with magic space time continuum shit, don't bother him. Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch is just sitting in you know his sanctum, just being like, hey, "There's a giant monster out." Like if like Loki came back and like was leading like alien hordes, he'd be like, "Nope, nothing to do with space and time." Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Right, yeah. That's right. They did say Doctor Strange. <laughs> call call me when it's something you know mystical. Yeah, but. The whole elementals thing just is really like rattle off to you. It's like, yep, there's some, four, there's four elementals there, and they put no effort into the design. It's literally, no. it's literally just like fire, boo, and like, oh, I'm the water monster, you know, <laughs> just like typhoons of yeah, water like, shooting off. Like Japan's seen worse than that. Yeah, than than the water monster. <laughs> Japan's had their share of fair share of typhoons that have have looked more menacing than the water monster. So yeah, all of that, I was like, when I was watching this, I was like, this is like extremely cheesy and it seems straight out of DC. Like that's, <laughs> that's like DC's final monster. And like, yeah. <laughs> bad uh, CGI. Yeah, bad CGI <laughs> elemental things. And like, you know what would have been funny if they like, if they did on purpose made like those elementals, like in like pixel art or something like, you know, oh, yeah, like eight, then... like eight bit, like, <laughs> you know, like I'm the fire monster. Yeah. It's like, Oh no. And then, you know? Yeah. But the, the thing that, so I was like sitting there, you know, and that's like the first half hour or so of the film is like leading up with those elementals. Uh, even longer. It's like yeah, 45 yeah, minutes. 45 minutes. Meeting Mysterio and Mis- with even with Mysterio, you, like when you first meet him, you get like this really truncated ex- explanation of who Mysterio is. Like, And then even so with that too, Jake Gyllenhaal sitting there just like with his beard and mustache in the dark, just, you know, rattling off his backstory and being extremely nice to 
uh, Spider-Man. It was, it's just like all of it is like leading up to you're like, wow, this is straight out of a DC film, which has like no depth to it. It's just <laughs> a very, you know, shallow imagining of monsters. <laughs> And at that point, you're like, oh, they didn't want to waste another Spider-Man character, like a, another villain or anything on this film. They didn't, They just <laughs> went with, like, this really generic, like, north, south, east, west fire. Well, you knew Mysterio water. was a villain, though, right? Uh, actually, I didn't. So, because I don't know Mysterio at all. So, I even, even watching the film throughout that first part. Uh, I didn't know that he was a villain, so I was just kind of going along with it. I was like, okay, you know, new. Uh... You didn't, you, I was say you couldn't tell by like Peter. What do you want to do? Yeah, no, don't give me the glasses, Peter. Please, no. It's uh, Tony gave them to you. You know. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess I didn't really. I really didn't put it together, especially in the beginning there, with not knowing who Mysterio is, and I think that's part of the the uh, idea behind this film is a lot of people aren't going to know who Mysterio is if they're coming in as casual movie viewers you know they're not the comic book readers they're just the movie the the people who have viewed movies before the movie Mew, movies. movies so i so i think that was the intention is to make mysterio look like really like he is working with the team so i was in this and i was like this is like not i was, I was super disappointed i was like for 45 minutes i'm like this seems really shallow of a spider-man movie especially after spider-man homecoming i was like this is like you know, the lamest villains series since, <laughs> you know, Batman versus Superman. And so... I don't know. I think Eve, I think um, Justice League is worse. Maybe. Yeah. Has it worse? It, it's, it's really up for grabs. I mean, it, it's it's debatable, but at least, yeah. you know, as bad as uh, Luther is and mm. as boring and pedantic as, you know, their bastardization of Doomsday... Staff and Wolf is just like, this is it? Yeah. This is it? Yeah, this that is true. Is true. That really? is true. He's pretty bad. <laughs> but, uh, so I would, like, for the whole thing, I was thinking, like, this is like a DC movie. This is this is not going well for Spider-Man. And Stanley's dead for one movie. And I, it's all gone to hell. I was, you know? I was just not impressed with what I was seeing. And then once you get to that point where you find out, okay, Mysterio's been working on, with this whole rich team. He's got fucking drones that project uh, a whole... Well, they're not rich. They're former Stark employees who are disgruntled because... No, they're pretty rich, though. He even says, thanks for helping me out because of all you like all you people that are rich. So, like, the people helping him have been able to conjure up enough money to come up with all of Well, they supplies. should be making... If the head guys like the... As we see, like, uh... Like a designer of, like, one of Tony Stark's top drones. Tony better have been paid. Like, yeah, if he's, like, true. head of R&D... Yeah. You know, he may not be Tony Stark rich, but you know. Yeah, he's he's probably still. How'd you yeah. like? How'd you like to the whole like Steve Jobs esque? You know, for like Jake Gyllenhaal being like Steve Jobs the villain, just like I had this idea and I was gonna walk out on stage and do the Steve Jobs thing, but Tony Stark stole it from me and did the whole Steve Jobs thing, and he called it fart. Yeah. Yeah, no, I actually, I thought it was a nice touch because... Uh, I was expecting him to have, like, a turtleneck on. Yeah, and just, you know, like, hold... <laughs> He's almost like that in, in its own way, though. I mean, even so, like, with the beard and mustache combo that Jake Gyllenhaal has going on and the rugged good looks. Yeah, it's it's great. But I could see a turtleneck going on there. That'd be, be perfect. That'd be the great touch, the best touch to that. Uh, no, I like the whole, I like the whole spiel and everything. And that's when I was thinking, I was like, okay, great. This is not... You know, just a DC really terrible uh, villain thing going on here. It's meant to be this way. And that's why all of the monsters look like shit 
in comparison <laughs> to like some of the other things because they're projections of terrible monsters of a bad idea. And they're chore- choreographing and, it yeah, all. And they're choreographing it all. I, I just they, love, too, like Jake Gyllenhaal when he's like, and all the shit that I told, like, I want, like, when he's, like, thanking all the people, like, I want to thank you for your drone design, you for the program, and I want to thank you for writing the story. It's just so fucking stupid, but it's believable enough <laughs> for Fury and those idiots to believe it. Like, I'm from an alternate Earth, and there's these four elementals, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah, it's, it's almost like riffing on what DC does, and we said that the the guy who's doing the projections is probably a disgruntled DC worker who <laughs> was uh, hired by Jake Gyllenhaal's crew to, to make this new uh, projection element. And they were like, you know what you did on DC's movies? That would be perfect for this really terrible harebrained scheme that we've got going on. <laughs> I do love, too, like just how Jake Gyllenhaal, um, when they're talking about, like, oh, Spider-Man, now i got to kill him. And when I kill him, I'm blaming you for letting that drone... Lose its projector and leave evidence. Yeah. I don't want to do it. I'm blaming you. His death is on you. What you said in this, and I think it's true in some ways, and I don't necessarily agree with you on all of what you said, but you thought that Jake Gyllenhaal, really, in this film as Mysterio, has probably one of his most... Uh, charismatic. Uh, yeah, charismatic and, and uh, effective deliveries for uh, like uh, a villain or his any character that he's played recently. And I think that's true in some ways. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal del- tends... He's a delight in this film. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he tends to, uh, as a, as an actor, he tends to really go for the low energy... Uh, dry. Dr- yeah, dry, oh, near, dramatic. Near, near Luke Wilson, but not as comedic. Just yeah. whiny. No, not like just... Kind of, if he's not like being like Luke Wilson, like, oh, yeah, that's kind of how things... He's kind of being whiny. Mm. Always like that's like I just think I just think of him in like just the day after tomorrow, just the entire time being like a wet blanket, mm-hmm. just like mm, everything's going to hell. I do agree in some ways that like he's really low energy a lot of times. He's playing very dark, dramatic mm. parts most of the time, and I think I don't think he's necessarily a bad actor. I think he's a good actor, but you're right. Like the parts that he picks and that are he's continually cast for tend to be on the lower side of the of the spectrum of like energy level. And here in Spider-Man Far From Home, he gets to ratchet that up like tenfold because he's almost going for like the Jeff Goldblum aspect of uh, his character. Yeah, you know what? That's a good comparison. Yeah. I I, I do. I think it's almost kind of like it almost to me seems like an in-joke critique. Like, Jake, we know you played like these low energy guys are always constantly. So when you're playing up the hero, being the hero, you're going to be a low energy. No, Peter, what do you want to do? What do you want to do to be happy? And then we flicks a switch to villain. Like, this is all bullshit. Just, you know. Yeah. She really gets to, like... And you're right. Even when he is Mysterio, the good guy, he's really low energy. He's sort of like the sad schmuck whose entire world was destroyed. Also very, like, stereotypical. Like, kind of like 50s. Like, oh, like, you know, superhero. Like, you know. Yeah. I'll save you. I'm, uh, you know, like, flying in. You know, saves, like, a kid. And he's like, remember, kids? Eat your vitamins and, you know, pay respects to your parents and the government. Yeah. I'll see yeah, you. Yeah, he is very, yeah. like, because he's he's really trying to spread that uh, that good-hearted nature that yeah. he's got going on. So you're right. And, and that that does show up, like, at the beginning of the film in Mysterio. And then once he's actually revealed to the audience, it's great. It's, like, right from there, things start to pick up entirely. So I guess you could say 
is that a flaw for Spider-Man Far From Home that for the first 45 minutes or so, it's actually kind of hard to get into the rhythm of the film because you're thinking like, this is kind of a waste of villains and, and stuff like that with the elementals. It's really not that interesting of a of a um, arc for that part of the film. Is that a flaw for this movie? or It slows it down, um, but I think that it's got enough comedic beats. Just like the Homecoming, though, they don't, in all the Marvel films, they don't all work. Mm-hmm. But there's enough there to kind of make you laugh, excuse me, to laugh and distract you from the slow pacing of the film that, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, oh, okay, you know. Yeah. The, the One thing that I would say about the beginning of the film that I think throws it off just a little bit is um, I, I did not love the whole, like, teen romance thing that they had going on. It's It felt a little bit too much like um, like a soap opera-y uh, teen comedy sort of thing that they had. Like and when I say teen, I mean more like uh, Degrassi level of. Um, <laughs> you know, you know what? That, that's that is his friend and his like girlfriend that they like get together on yeah. the plane. That's funny because that's you know like that's like so stereotypical like high school like I'm not interested. I'm not interested in you. Like you're forced to be stuck together for like five hours and you find out yeah we're dating now. Yeah, hey babe, hey babe, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, you know, you know we really got to talking and you know we really have a lot in common. You yeah. know and. I mean, that was funny, but I feel like some of that whole opening of, and especially like Peter, will he, won't he with uh, MJ and really trying to, you know, get... Well, having that one, like, douche bro guy who's not even really a douche bro, but he just kind of looks like an act, Brad or... Yeah, Brad, Brad Davis. Yeah, they get, yeah, what a douche bro name, too. Brad. Yeah, no, like, just like having him was like, that that was fucking pointless. Yeah. Like, ugh, He's so, you know, he's the 16-year-old who's ripped like a fucking football star. He's, you know, MJ's just going to be falling all over herself just to get Brad. Brad's so cool. Brad's so nice. Peter, you got nothing. Which is funny. Like, oh, Peter, you're such a dork. It's like, yeah, he's like antisocial and a dork and doesn't know like anything about social cues. But like when that one scene where he takes off his shirt, it's like, yeah, you know, he's not wearing like a baggy enough shirt to be like, oh, I didn't... Really, goddamn, he's ripped. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. like no, you would notice, like, you know, Tom Holland, like, yeah, you could pretty much tell, even with him wearing like regular shirts, that he's got a nice musculature mm-hmm. underneath that shirt. Um, and the other thing too with that whole, like, the whole will he won't it, won't he with MJ is that you know, like, from the first film, Spider Man Homecoming, that MJ is not even interested in anybody that is like Brad. Like, there's just no connection or spark between her and well Brad. it's not even that like brad's a bad sense. guy but he, no, he's but not he, a bad guy no he wants to be with mj but like the whole thing too is like just it didn't need to be like the whole scene where peter's like getting forced by the like german lady to try on the new spider-man yeah. suit and he yeah. walks in and he's like whoa dude if you want to hook up with like random chicks on this trip that's your business but i'm not gonna let you like trick mj because of that yeah you know and he, and he takes snaps a yeah. photo of it i, I mean I just felt like that whole, the whole like Degrassi romance thing, the teeny, teeny bopper sort of ideas that were going Dramas. on. I I didn't love it so much because though I understand Te- that Peter Parker is a teenager living out his high school life, I would rather them not go into that whole scenario as yeah. much. You yeah. know, not focus on it so much. Yeah. Well, Aunt May's being like, yeah, you go out there and try kissing her. Aunt May's getting on with happy. That's true. Yeah, happy uh, yeah. and apparently a revolving door of other people on Tinder <laughs> that Happy didn't know about. 
<laughs> uh, Marissa Tomei has got to keep busy. You know? Yeah, that's, and that's why she wanted him to go on the trip. In the I would love. I would love to be part of that Tinder. You know. Yeah. Well, go to Brooklyn. Go find her on Queens. Queens. Go find her on Tinder. No, but uh, <laughs> that, that was the only thing about the beginning of the film. I don't think that it's a flaw so much that the film is slow at the beginning when it's setting up that whole Mysterio aspect. Because once you get past that point, you kind of look back on it and you're like, oh, okay, that's what they were doing there. And so it's sort of a revelation where you can... You can um, Forgive what they had. Yeah, to do but at the same that. time, like, like I said, like so, like the humor kind of keeps it well, like pace. Yeah, the the beats sa- coming at the same time, though, like the teachers, I didn't find like anything they did to be. Fun. I thought Martin I thought, Star was kind of no. I thought I feel no, bad no, for him because he's like forty year old guy playing a sixty year old teacher. Yeah, in this well, film. like like outside of, like that scene in the plane where like the one teacher's like I'm taking a fucking ambient. Yeah, and Martin, you know, Martin Star asks like they conjure up the whole like perfume idea, like pe- to try to get. Peter sitting next to MJ, and he's like, you know, he's like, hold on, perfume allergies? These are really serious, Peter, I know. Here, we'll move all, and you know, screws up the seating yeah. because of it. That's like, outside of that, once they like, get to Europe and the stuff, like, it's just, I find, I found them, like, all the grading. Yeah. A little grading, as it? But at the same time, on. too, like, the whole, like, the whole idea, like, Ugh, Peter's got a rich, for, you know, rich guy in school who makes fun of him for being poor. Because, <laughs> you know, that's not turd cliche of having like the rich kid making fun of the poor kid yeah so you didn't like it so you really weren't into a lot of the i mean you said that some comedy aspects were no fun. i no i liked a lot of the comedy but there's like uh, parts like in the film that are just like totally ancillary and like didn't need to be there mm-hmm. brad being there doesn't need to be there same like it goes back to the same thing with homecoming whoever the hell plays like the rich kid who you know hates peter but he loves spider-man yeah he isn't fucking Flash, either. right? You mean yeah. you're talking about Flash? Yeah. Uh, Tony Revolu. Yeah. Revolori. Like he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't fucking need to be there and like having his like little moments and stuff. And they actually give him a really weird beat at the end of the film where uh, he they come home and yeah. his dad couldn't be there. Like they didn't. No, his mom. Come, he's his like, mom he's like, oh, mother's not here. Yeah, couldn't come. To, it's like so weird. Like because that whole it's like almost something got cut in that aspect because you're supposed to have like this emotional yeah but that's like the same thing too they always do that like where the rich kid's always like a pompous ass like Ugh, then like yeah. you find out like well he just doesn't get enough attention yeah you know? i just thought i felt like it was a weird placement of that because not any nothing else had been brought up about that throughout the entire film so to have that one moment at the end of the film where they brought that up was a little strange but yeah, i mean like i said these these are like, basically what i'm doing right now is like nitpicking yeah you're nitpicking they're not yeah. they're not major flaws or anything but they are just like after watching like watching it's like little things is like really come on come on let's go like yeah. you know change it up a bit mm-hmm. more marissa tomei more john favreau would you want her to go to italy with him oh i would love marissa tomei as a chaperone like they go to like a nice beach or something that would have been nice peter it is unfortunate that Marissa Tomei is in all of these movies, but just for a very short amount of time. Just like She's like open, a bookend. Yeah. yeah. She's just like there for a couple minutes throughout the movie and that's it. They should have got, they should, they should do more with that. It should be like, have her do something else in the movie too. Like just a whole subplot of Marissa Tomei doing stuff. Well, that's what I want. I want to see, like, the while they're on vacation, what Marissa Tomei and John Favreau were up to. Yeah. You know, like, what dates are they going on? What'd they do? What, did, did, did they, they go see a movie? Could they go go get shawarma? So you want, like, a, 
I want a rom-com with those You two. want like a Woody Allen type and <laughs> movie no. with, uh, with Marissa Tomei yeah. and Happy. Yeah, I want like I want Andy, I, I want Annie Hall, but with John Favreau and Marissa Tomei. Yeah. That's what I want, That's, you know. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, Spider-Man uh, Far From Home gets to that point with like the little artsy touches it's got. So yeah, I could they could morph this into a Woody Allen film. Well but John Favreau is the way he plays is really good. It's not really Woody Woody no, Allen. It's not. Do you really want him to be like uh, you, know, yeah. you know just being like no, the no. stereotypical I, neurotic Jude like, I, yeah, I, you know I, I definitely like uh John Favreau in all the movies that he's in in the Marvel universe because he does have that really nice delivery on yeah. his uh, his comedic approach. Um that he's really perfected over the years and especially Probably working on some of the comedy films that he's done before, he's he's really gotten that down to a science. So it's nice to see him show up, even though he's you know he's been behind the director's chair uh, mm-hmm. for a while. Um, but it's nice to have him come in and play more, especially with Tony gone, to have him more play a, a sort of father figure now, to uh, Peter. Speaking of Tony being gone, how much did you like the whole like, Tony Stark's gone? We need a new Iron Man. He's been deified. Well, you know, remind me a lot of Superman, you know, it'd be Justice League, like, now that Superman's gone. We need yeah. somebody to take over. Yeah, we need yeah. someone to... I mean, I, I don't mind the fact that um, the whole idea of the film was passing on those glasses and, and having Peter Parker, and it basically having Peter figure out that he made a mistake and then that, you know, learn from that mistake and what he needs to do to grow as a, as a superhero. Um, I don't mind that as like a metaphor for growth and... And Peter getting older and stuff like that. And, and Tony kind of mentoring from beyond the grave. I don't mind that part of it. But you're right. The whole idea of uh, finding another Iron Man in this movie. Um, you have one. Yeah. His name's War Machine. Yeah, I, don't, I, I just don't <laughs> love it as an, as an aspect. Because it actually, ultimately, just becomes a MacGuffin. Because well, not only that, too. Because then they, like the whole point is at the end, like, I can't replace Tony. No one can replace Tony. I can just be me yeah spider-man you know yeah i mean i it just becomes a macguffin because towards the end you know nothing actually ends up happening with a uh iron man hero and the glasses themselves really don't they don't make a difference so i just felt like it was sort of a waste i i like the mentoring aspect i like how and and also i did like how they didn't treat they did not treat um tony as a person as like the best you know, he's not the best person, obviously. he He's part of the reason why Mysterio is Mysterio, right? Because yeah. he, he was kind of an asshole in his business life. So I did like how they were showing two sides of Tony, where they weren't just like, yeah, he's fucking awesome. He was, yeah, no, he was, he was a great guy. Yeah. He was Iron Man. He, he did all this stuff. I did like how they, they made it so that you had some sort of reservations about Tony as well, because he, he did great things. He's also an asshole at times, and... Uh, he sort of helped create the villain in this movie. Um, so I did like that. I just felt like the whole a- aspect of finding another Iron Man is something that didn't really need to be dealt with in this movie. You know? Yeah. Don't... Oh, yeah. This is an Iron Man movie. It's a Spider-Man movie. So, um, I would rather... I, I did... But I did like the mentoring aspect. I think that, that was nice. That was a nice touch. Um... The other thing that I did like about this film is that it kind of goes through Spider-Man suits and it kind of changes things up a little bit throughout. Because one thing that I did say is that if Spider-Man is Spider-Man in DC and then he comes to 
a European country, and then all of a sudden Spider-Man's there too with the class trip. That would be a dead giveaway. It was like, well, who the fuck in my class is Spider-Man? No, it's not Spider-Man. It's the Night Monkey. Right, which is why I did like that they 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 changed up the suit a little bit and gave him a little, like a black ninja suit. Yeah, almost. Like, uh, like like a like a burglar, just yeah, yeah, right, yeah, basically <laughs> a burglar just sitting on a rooftop. Um, but I did like that, and then and then changing up the suit even more towards the end um, as he designs his own. It's another nice touch of him learning from Tony and. And uh, the mentoring beyond the grave again. Um, so I did like that aspect of it too. Um, I like that Aunt May packed this suit for him. Because he didn't want to bring his suit with him. Because he's like, I'm on vacation. Well, you know what too? And they, 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 they did they... make a good point of him going through, uh, I don't know if it was customs or just the, his <laughs> uh, bag being searched. And they found the suit and, you know. Got that little note from Aunt May like, you forgot your suit. Yeah. Love me. I did like that because at a certain point, you do have to be careful of like who sees your suit. And I would say in this movie too, Peter is not very careful about not being in costume. No, and no. Also, he's constantly like talking within earshot of people about like what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that you know no one is actually heard or eavesdropped or anything like that. Yeah, but like I just liked at the beginning of the film where he's giving that uh, speech to the public. And he's, they went behind the curtain and he automatically shifts out of his, yeah. uh, his, uh, mask. mask. And then there like, could have been somebody yeah, in that somebody kitchen. walks yeah. in and he doesn't know about it. And cause they also say that his Peter Tingle's not working. So he doesn't really realize if somebody comes in that he's not aware of. So yeah, he's not super careful about disguising his identity. You'd think he'd have like a, like with all the Stark-esque bullshit. He'd have, like, a watch or something where he could have, like, a watch and just, like, hit a button and, you know, put a suit on yeah. for him. Or, like, have a perimeter guard, too. Like, if somebody breaches the perimeter, it just automatically comes on or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think that part of that was sort of leading towards the the finale of the film, too. That uh, mid credit sequence <laughs> that we get about actually um, somebody knowing his identity and re- releasing that to the public. Um, you know, cause he's not super careful and obviously people are taking pictures of him when he's <laughs> around and stuff. And even MJ, um, she talks about her suspicions that she, she was pretty sure that Peter was Spider-Man. So if she's pretty sure that he's Spider-Man, there's got, no, she said 66% sure when but, he's like, yeah, I am Spider-Man. She's like, oh, thank God. I was only 66% sure. But like if she's got suspicions and other people in school have suspicions too because obviously again he was there in dc he's in europe and he's fucking everywhere just so. off you know yeah it's not like any of the other avengers showed up in europe to take on <laughs> uh mysterio no they all fucked off They're like, yeah, we don't have time for elemental bullshit yeah yeah that's beneath us what did you think of the whole projector scheme to set up uh like a giant elemental monster that mysterio uses though Little bullshitty. I mean, obviously you got. And by and by and by little, I mean a lot bullshitty. Like, how do you make holographics that seem so real? You got to suspend your disbelief a little bit here, I guess. How do you (laughs) control five million little uh, projectors? No, no, well, it's just the idea. Like, oh, it feels because it's so high tech. It feels so real, but it's like. What? Yeah, especially because like Spider Man gets punched and stuff a couple times. Yeah. You know, like the whole, I don't know, it, it does seem like you have to really just suspend disbelief to even believe that it's possible to have a projection like Like maybe that. if there's also like a scarecrow, like from 
the Nolan movies. Like aspect, like, aspect of like, like hallucinations. Like, yeah, like yeah. mind control, like you know something like, like that. They're like all the projectors are spraying like a mind control substance. Yeah, out as well. So that it, you know affects your yeah. Because just like the whole idea, of, like you know pro- the projector is just you know. But that did remind me a lot of Scarecrow. Especially when... Oh, uh, when he's doing the whole... When Mis- yeah, Mysterio yeah. brings him through like a whole mind fuck of... And that was a really cool sequence because the CGI there is really good. Just like yep. in the, having him go through all these different fucking crazy levels of like mental hell. Yeah. it's Again, that's like... That was really cool. That was like very Scarecrow-esque, yeah. you know. Yeah, a nice vivid uh, reminder that Mysterio with his projectors is pretty strong uh, as an actual person not so much but and i did like that too that mysterio is not really a strong villain he's not like a one of those like ultimate baddies that you get from batman versus superman or something where they legitimately have to one-up themselves every time like no this guy's the strongest or like a dragon ball like he's over nine thousand. it's not like that because mysterio is not super powerful himself but with the tools that he has he becomes a force because he's able to kind of navigate around the weaknesses that Spider-Man has. So what did you think of the final fight with him? Uh, where he basically calls down like 5,000 different projectors <laughs> from a satellite. Stark satellite. Yeah. To uh, to basically take over the city and... and uh... I thought it was convoluted to watch at first mm-hmm. with like the whole like... Peter fighting the drones and mm-hmm. like tying like that was like all like overly convoluted and like kind of hard to see and muddled. Mm-hmm. But once he got to the bridge and started doing the fighting against Mysterio, it was really good. And I liked the the play too of like you think you know like oh he beat Mysterio and then no Mysterio's next to him with a gun and he's able to you know break away and yeah and him finding his yeah. P- Peter Tingle back his, his Spidey sense Spidey sense yeah um, I liked it I you know I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I like the whole skydiving element, too, of actually diving into the projection so you can get through the projection mm-hmm. into the... just so Like you projection yeah, world. Yeah, 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 so you see in between the projectors. I did like that as well. Um, I thought it was an intro. And, and also him building his like little spider webs that have electrical currents running through them. It was a nice touch um, of using like Tony Stark's uh, tech. tech against Mysterio as well. Well, I, th- I thought that was a pretty cool... Um, like, like I said, like once we got to the bridge, it had like that fight, you know, that was, and it was also very different from most Marvel finales of like fiery brimstone, uh, other Burnly. dark atmospheres. Uh, this was like set in mo- like in daytime, modern city, uh, right in the middle of jolly old London. Yep. So you had that whole element of, you didn't have to like. Be peering through fire and flames and Brimstone. embers and stuff like that to be able to see CGI embers to be able to see through everything, <laughs> which was nice. I, I like that part of it too, you know, because after a while you start to get sick of seeing the same mm-hmm. old finales of video game, basically video yeah. game boss. I did like too before the fight, the final fight, um, the whole talk that uh, John Favreau and uh, Spider Man have, you know. About happy telling him about, you know, that Tony wasn't perfect. And, yeah. You know, but he was his best friend and he, you know, knew his faults and Tony knew his faults. But that's, you know, what made him him and Peter's got to learn from that. And, you know. Yeah, because. Uh, that was like, a nice touching moment. It you know? is nice. 
And we see that Spider-Man, for all his powers, is still just a kid. I mean, well, and that's cool because I think it'd be cool to see from now on, like Happy being there to like help guide him because yeah. you know he needs somebody. You know, he doesn't have a mentor anymore. And again, being like a sixteen-year-old kid. He needs somebody there to be like, all right, this is what you need, you know. Yeah, and he's not ready, at, like, with his life to just be, like, cast aside the rest of his life because he's a superhero now. Um, well, that's why he's so damn, you know, persistent on being going on this vacation, even when there's this elemental threat going. I was like, yeah, yeah. you know what? I'd rather just do what I want to do and, like, just make, kiss a girl, you yeah. know. Yeah, and, be myself and hang yeah. out as Peter Parker rather than Spider-Man. Yeah. I like that, too, because, you know, that's always been sort of the in the comics for Spider-Man. That's always been sort of his, his thing, is that he's S- Spider-Man, but he's also more so Peter Parker than some of the other superheroes might be. Like, uh... You know, Batman is always Batman, and he really doesn't have any illusions of being Bruce Wayne besides just being a rich guy that's Bruce R- Wayne. A rich asshole. Yeah. Um, you know. Exactly. Like, basically, Bruce Wayne is Batman f- all the time, and he really, his alter ego is more so Bruce Wayne than it is Batman. So, it, with Spider-Man, it's kind of the reverse. You actually have a person, a human character, who is really hesitant to cast aside his entire life to become a superhero that really doesn't get any time off. Like even in this one after uh Infinity War and um Endgame, Spider-Man's like, "Yeah, I need a vacation." Peter Parker's like, "I need a vacation. I really need to get away because this has been way too much for me to handle." And uh I do like that aspect of, you know, you still have him as a kid. He's not he's just not ready to I, I did like too like when he's trying to tell Nick Fury like, "I can't do this. I'm not ready for it." And Nick Fury's like, "You're in space." <laughs> yeah. And he's yeah. like he's just like, "Wow, that was my accident, you know." Yeah. Yeah, you went to space. That's good. That's one of those uh areas where the comedy works really well. Yeah. And the the kind of surprising thing is because they did really get um Fury's character down well and then i wouldn't even say it was like fury it was just samuel jackson yeah basically and then when you get to the end and you find out you get, that it's yeah, actually not he, fury because you even get to hear like him go he actually says in this bitch please you know yeah but it is it's funny because you get to the end and it's not fury it's the scroll yeah and and they were like they did it perfectly they had it perfect perfectly down but at the same time it's like stupid because like oh it was the scroll the entire time and then they're reporting back to fury because he's just sitting on vacation in space yeah, and a projector in space. So what? What? Why is S.H.I.E.L.D. in space? And why does Fury get a vacation, but Spider-Man doesn't? It's kind of bullshit, too. Well, because he's the boss. Yeah, it's yeah. true. They get better vacation packages than we do. Yeah, I thought the, the, the actual last scene after the credits was interesting. I don't know that I loved the... I don't know... I didn't love that what the implications were for the film... But then I thought about it a little bit, and it made sense. Like, you would think that Fury would not really want to put an entire innocent school trip in danger, right? Because I was thinking about that. Like, they brought Peter's entire school trip to Prague. I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares, because he's just more about the the objective. I don't know. know. I feel like they wouldn't put an entire bunch well, of kids in well, danger for captain's no not there to tell him like nick that's not a good idea yeah, that's true he's got he doesn't have you know him and black widow's not there so there's no moral compass guiding that ship at the moment <laughs> he just does it and he's like yeah whatever fuck it fuck the kids yeah fuck the kids gotta get this. i don't like mark that martin guy that much anyway so gotta he, get this job done that's that's what he was thinking um 
I thought it was a... Or maybe he knew it was bullshit to begin with. Yeah, maybe. I thought it was an interesting touch. I don't know. I don't know if I loved it that it actually wasn't Fury, but I think that I think that was just like unnecessary. An unnecessary addition. Yeah, that's like yeah. another like little like. So what's this supposed to be lead to? Like Captain Marvel two? I don't know. They, like they're off into space now, like uh-huh. in the Scroll War or something. Because I, I don't know where they're going. Because they didn't announce like a new Avengers thing. Because in my mind, the next step to be now that they're going the route of Tony Stark's dead. Like the new, the next Avengers film would be the new Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I mean, it doesn't have. I don't know specifically like an Avengers storyline you could take that applied to the new Avengers, but new Avengers is just you know different team with like you know Spider Man, Iron Man, well Thor and like uh, Hulk and some other shit. Yeah, yeah. So Wolverine. Yeah, I'm not really sure exactly what is next on the agenda for the series. Um. And I don't know where that leads Spider-Man too, because um, you get the whole ending, the real, the ending ending where he's flying MJ around, which you know, Sweet, yeah, swinging, swinging her, around the, swinging her, you know, swinging her around and all that bullshit, and then they stop, and no one's even questioning, like, hey, Spider-Man, why are you swinging this like fourteen-year-old <laughs> girl around? You know, yeah, yeah, you know, he's doing it right in the middle of Manhattan, Times Square, and like everyone just, yep, yeah, who the fuck cares? And then you know we get. To hear that there's a news report from the Daily Bugle, and then the greatest decision ever happened. Yeah, J.K. Simmons is back. We need pictures of Spider-Man. Damn it! It's great because when he comes, I hate in... that his hair—he's got like his actual hair, like the bald, and then like you know on this like hair barely there on the side. Yeah, I really wish they went back to like you know him with you know from the Sam Raimi films with the. The top, top the, sort of thing. Yeah, the toupee. Yeah. That'd be great, but, you know, we get him coming on like a Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. You know, yeah. And saying, you know, because uh, this is what happened to Mysterio. He was killed by Spider-Man, and here's, you know, the proof. And um, they have a video of Mysterio talking and, like, and saying, you know, and Spider-Man shows up and kills him. you got to be pretty dedicated and then he, like, and as he, before he dies, he, you know, Mysterio says, you know, it was Peter Parker, the 16 year old student from Queens, New York. Yeah, you gotta be pretty dedicated to bringing Spider Man down as Mysterio to be dying and shoot this final video. Well, I don't think he was dying because Spider Man didn't kill him at the end. He just beat him up, so. Yeah. Maybe he's left to the authority well, or something? He got shot. He got shot. By the projector. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was like his, his demise. But uh, you got to be pretty dedicated to be to taking out Spider-Man to be like from beyond the grave. Like, <laughs> fuck <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah. I still don't like you, Spider-Man. So, and then like the, they had the reveal and you have Tom Holland. What? You know, like, uh-oh. Yeah. So, I mean. I mean, for the next one, it's just going to be like Spider-Man. Fake news. Well, that's the thing too. Like, <laughs> and that's the theme in this movie is you know what's real. Yeah, what's what can he believe? What's you know what's real? It actually and kind the, of would and, make sense. And the, and then the and the whole you know the whole idea of Mysterio's with the projectors is he can control the narrative. Yeah, he shows and reveals to people what he wants them to see. That's why we get that whole ending of that's why Spider you know Spider Man's the one that killed him. You know, mm-hmm. um, I just think though. It's a little too ham-fisted, mm. you know, a little too, like, on the nose. Not as bad as, like, RoboCop with, like, you know, Samuel L. 
doing the whole Fox News shtick, but right, yeah, it's still kind of like you know. Mm. I didn't mind it, but I might find it interesting if we go down the road and we find out that in the first movie when Michael Mandau showed up at the very fucking end, and now he's been nowhere to be seen since <laughs> Homecoming. Like, he was a reporter or something, and now he's going to spread big news, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I will be interested to see where they go with this one. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to boil down to something like, just, they're going to just explain it away. Like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> you know, you know, Peter Parker isn't. Uh, well, probably just spend, like, a film of, like, having to, like, kind of like with Batman v Superman. We can't have Superman running around because he's, like, fucking Jesus, you know? <laughs> Look at yeah. all his god powers. Yeah. They're going to bring... That's what they're going to do. They're going to bring Peter Parker down to fucking... <laughs> they're going to bring him down to Capitol Hill. <laughs> and have, have a fucking hearing on, like, do you think you should be running around as a 16-year-old with this high-tech bullshit and nonsense? Shouldn't we should register you. And it's like, didn't we have that movie? We're having Civil War too. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? That's what DC Civil would do. Civil War 2. Just, that's what DC... What would DC do? Recycle. Yeah. Um, What else did we talk about? What did we miss? I'm trying to think. Got a lot of it. Yeah, we got we got a lot. There were some scenes in this, in this rem- that were reminiscent of me too for like Shazam. Like stuff like that whole like carnival fight thing. Mm-hmm. That was you know straight from Shazam. The, mm-hmm. whole, the whole Ferris wheel shit nonsense. That's true. It was yeah. Like somewhere. what's it up? What's it up with these goddamn kids and all that? Just I just want to go in the Ferris wheel. You know? No one wants to ride and then, the Ferris wheel. You know and get stuck up there. Yeah. And then be like help help. No one wants to ride the Ferris wheel. I never have said. Let's go on. You know, you know what ride I would <laughs> like to go on today? The Ferris wheel. Nice sweltering day. Oh, yeah. The, wanna, uh, I want to be closer to this song. It's the thrill ride for geriatric patients, <laughs> is what I would say. Whoa, look how fast <laughs> that thing goes. Woo! Three miles per hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, I guess that's it. I, that's all I got. Um, it, so, I get, we'll wrap it up. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll give this uh, film a rating here. Um, on a scale... Of one to ten, um, Peter Tingles. Peter Tingles. Just yeah. go simple. Peter Tingles. Sure. Uh, what would you give Spider-Man: Far From Home? I'd give it a seven and a half. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I gave Homecoming an eight, and I like Homecoming more uh-huh. uh, than this film. So I'd probably give it a seven and a half. I liked it. Um, I do think it's a slight step back because of the whole. Plot and premise is kind of ridiculous and goofy, but if you look at it the way you you know you saw it as like you know you're kind of making fun of DC with this harebrained bullshit, um, I think it does enough. But the a lot of the concepts are really just recycled ideas from other films, like the whole like, going on a European vacation and all that stuff. Um, and I think what makes it interesting is just the fact that Marvel films are always witty enough to. If they even have like generic, boring, stupid ideas, the humor will carry it through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think though, even though Mysterio is kind of a low key villain, I think Jake Gyllenhaal's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and John Favreau are like the highlights of this film for me. They're both delightful. Uh, J- I love Jake Gyllenhaal in this. Um, I think how they utilize Mysterio is a good idea. As you said, though, you really have to suspend your disbelief because there's a lot of bullshit with that idea. 
But I do especially really liked how that whole sequence of where he's, you know, tricking Peter and making him, it's not hallucinate, but it feels like he is hallucinating. That was really cool. Um, film's got some n nice ideas in there. Uh, about Peter growing, but at the same time, a lot of them are old and cliched about, like, who's going to be the next Tony Stark and all that nonsense. Um, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm interested to see where they go from here. It's, I don't really know exactly, like, exactly where they'll go, but I think overall, it's a very enjoyable, fun film. Um, cliched. But it's got the cast, you know, Marissa Tomei's great, John Favreau's great, Tom Holland's great. They're all great, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal's great. They're all great. They all do their part terrifically. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I would say I like this almost as much as Homecoming, but I, it's not quite there. So I'd probably give it a seven and a half as well. Um, I think that part of the reason why it doesn't do as well is because the first 45 minutes, though they, it does serve a purpose... Um, once you get further into the film and learn more about Mysterio, I think the first 45 minutes is just a little too slow, hard to get into, especially with the elementals when you come out of nowhere, just getting these four elementals that seem really generic. And especially um, just like, like this is right after Endgame. Yeah. Where you had, you know, fucking Thanos. Come. Right. It feels like a letdown, yeah. especially at first when you find out about the elementals. Uh, so I think that like the first 45 minutes or so are a little bit difficult to, to really get into. Once you get past that, then it really evens out and it, it's it's a uh, nice, fun film. Um, but at the same time, you're right too that some of the jokes do fall flat. It's not, and I feel like some of the cheesier jokes come from the fact that this is really trying to be sort of a teen comedy romance that just feels a little bit too kiddish in some places. Um, especially coming after films like Infinity War and Endgame, which were really dark. And though they were still, they still had their comedic aspects, they were uh, more mature in the way that they presented those ideas. Whereas Spider-Man Far From Home can sometimes feel like a step back in that sense, that it's less, a lot less mature, sort of immature in that sense. Um, I did like the, I like the ideas behind it. I like Mysterio as a character and how they went with him as being not a strong, super strong enemy, but one that has the technology to be a threat. And I did like the, the whole idea behind the technology. And, and one of the things that I like the most about um, him as a character is when he's able to like change reality to like that one scene with Spider-Man where he changes his whole reality and kind of brings him through a fun house of, of nightmares. Um, that reminded me of Scarecrow and Scarecrow is one of my uh, favorite villains from Batman. So that, that, that tendency to, uh, take a look at Spider-Man's nightmares was a pretty cool uh, element of the film. Um, but I just wish that they had gotten rid of some of the more teenage elements of it. Uh, MJ and Peter's romance together and, and stuff like that. I think we're maybe a little bit too much time wasters. And um, even at like two hours and nine minutes, I think they could have cut off a little bit more for this to make it a really, really even paced film. Um but other than that, I think everybody does really well. I really like Jake Gyllenhaal in this. He does a really good job. Um, and it's nice to see that, like, he, they give him uh, some t room to do, like, a regular character or a, one of his more low-key characters. And then he really gets to spice it up towards the end of the film and, <laughs> and go crazy with it. So that was a, there was a good touch there from him. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I And I think that it had good ideas. Um 
execution-wise, maybe could have gone a little bit better, but um, still one of the better uh, series that they have in the Marvel Universe. I think it's one of the more enjoy- enjoyable ones that they have. Yeah. forgot to mention the, the whole scene where he's in uh, the Netherlands. That's freaking hilarious. After he gets hit by the bullet train oh, in, yeah, in yeah. Berlin, and then he wakes up, and he's uh, in the, basically in the drunk tank in the Netherlands, and, and they're all super and, nice and happy, and then when he goes to like the market, and he asks the guy where he's like... Calls Aunt May, like, no, he calls it Happy or whatever. Either Happy or Aunt May, I happy. don't know. And he, he's like, where are we? He's like, Dova Street is must. What? Oh, he's like, hold the phone, like, and he gives it to the guy to say it, and then they, the name of the play shows up in this, like, subtitle. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was pretty that They was do pretty have good, good touches yeah. there. Yeah. The comedy really works, so. Yeah. It was a fun experience, and uh, I'm definitely excited to see where they go next with Spider-Man. Um... And where they go next with the franchise? Because I really, I don't know. Maybe they've announced it, but I don't know what's next for the. No, I don't. For know. the next films in this, it's so hard to keep track now that I haven't even been paying attention. You just too wait much. for them, like, oh, it's in theater. That's in theater. Yeah, basically, <laughs> like, oh, it's out. Okay, yeah, we got to go see it. So, yeah. uh, so what are we doing next time on the show? I don't know. I don't know. I got some cool ones that we can do that maybe would be outside of the horror that we've been covering lately. Um. You got, I've got Django the Bastard that just came out from Synapse. Uh, another one that would, might be fun is Black Shampoo, which would be a black exploitation film that uh, might be interesting to do. So there's a couple that we could uh, we could cover before uh, we do It, which comes out in September. So we've got a, mm-hmm. a, a couple weeks to, to get in before we go and see It. So well, we'll take a look at those two and see where to go from there. Yeah. So uh, definitely uh, check us out. On any podcasting app, we're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, pretty much anything that you can listen to podcasts on, we're on it. So leave us a nice review and subscribe to us. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash blood and black rum podcast. We're on Twitter at blood and black rum. And uh, we have an email at blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com where you can give us any suggestions for movies that you think we should cover. And uh, if you want to donate to our show, we have a Patreon account at patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast. Anything you can donate uh, will be helpful. It'll help us keep the show running. Um, And that's a monthly donation, so just keep that in mind when you're donating. Thanks for listening. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks. That's right, two weeks since we did a a dual dual week episodes here. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. Um, Either a black exploitation film, probably, or a a spaghetti western style film. So uh, one of those will be on the docket next time. So hopefully you tune in. Take care.